0: Thank you, Jason. Thank you, for Pam, for leading us in the worship this morning. <clears throat> you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do. We'll be in the New Testament this uh, morning in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll be looking at the first nine verses, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Give you an opportunity to get to that. Uh, I give you a heads up. If you got the email this week, you already knew about it. Some people have already been studying it. It's already been quizzed on it first thing this morning, But but we're going to get into the Word this morning. Uh, the title of the message is Focused on the Task. Stay Focused on the Task. When I read this passive scripture, I'm, I'm thinking, saying, Look, you know, this passive scripture its about disciple-making. And disciple-making is something that I've been preaching for months and months and months, isn't it? Y'all about tired of hearing about disciple-making? Man, the challenge that God gave us through Jesus Christ was to make disciples. And certainly, these words of, of Paul... Just go in and support that. So stay focused on the task, the task that the church has been given. This is all important. So, we're going to open up some things this morning. We're going to look at some things. We're going to look at the Bible and what the Bible says about it. But it's in, in life, we deal with things that are true and we deal with things that are false. Amen? Some things are true, some things are default. True information is important to us. You don't really know a lot of times where you're getting or what you're getting, but true information will guide you in a direction that's beneficial. To your life. When you see the truth in something, it typically guides you in something that's beneficial for you. Now, contrary to that, is false. False information is just the opposite of that. False information, a lot of times, will take you on the path of destruction. And that's where we're looking at some things this morning. When you have the truth, you should not keep it to yourself. When you know the truth, the Bible says that when you have the truth, you should share it With those people around you that you should tell it truth is meant to be passed on from generation to generation this is where we're going this morning we're going to look at some things that are very similar to the things that we've been talking about things we've been talking about on sunday morning and sunday uh, sunday night but truth is meant to be passed from generation to generation we live in a broken world man we live with struggle i've preached on struggle you have endured struggle Every week, every day, somebody calls me or texts me about a a specific struggle that's in their life, something that they're dealing with, things that are difficult for them. It's because we live in a broken world. This broken world is full of information, and a lot of the information inside of this world is false information. From a worldly perspective, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between true information and false information. You agree? Turn on the TV set, which is a, de- a, a difficult thing. Let me tell you something. TV's almost not worth watching anymore, is it? Now, I know today is Super Bowl Sunday, and I know that this evening a lot of you are going to watch the football game that you haven't watched all year. But let me tell you, it starts at 630, and that's when the, the promos start. So the game probably ain't going to start till 7. So I'll have you out of here by 6 o'clock this evening, so don't you worry, okay? All right, but just turn on the TV and see what's going on. Sometimes, TV, you have no clue if the information you're receiving is accurate or not. I mean, you don't really know. And I shared that with you last week. It used to be if you didn't watch the news, you were misinformed. Now, if you watch the news, you're, you're also misinformed or uninformed. Now, let me tell you something the only place you can find information that is 100% accurate, 100% true, is where? In the Bible. Whoo, where's he going with this? And he's promoting for tonight. The Bible is the only place you'll read information that is 100% accurate, 100% true. You know, what is the Bible? If you want to know the truth, if you want to know how to deal with those struggles that you're dealing with, if you want to know how to navigate through life and all the issues that are going on in your life, you go to the Bible. Let me tell you something now. The Bible doesn't always spell it out so that you can understand it. Sometimes it's hard to understand the Bible. Amen? Man, it depends what translation you read. That's why they have different translations. A lot of times translations are to help you more and more understand it to put it on a level that you understand. To me, it does not matter what translation you read because it's all based on the original Greek. It's all based on the original Hebrew. It's pulled in from an English writer, someone who translated those, those, English, those Hebrew and Greek words into something that we could understand. So take your Bible, find one that you like as far as is comprehensible, that you understand, but it has to be based on the original Word of God. Amen? But I want you to look at that's where you get the stuff that's true. God's word is the truth and it's intended to be passed on from generation to generation. And God's word is truth, but it's not meant for us to keep it to ourselves. It's meant for us to pass it on to the next generation. That's the thing that I, I have been talking to you about as far as investing in other people. We need to be investing in other people. We need to share in the word of God with other people so that they can in turn do the same thing. It's critical that disciple making be a multiplication process. That's the way Jesus intended it to be when he started out. Jesus did not touch the world when he was here. He did not touch it. He was a physical human being while he was here. He was the son of God. He had power beyond anything else. He could have done it on his own, but he only traveled within a 200-mile radius while he was here. But he did not touch the world physically. We can't do it either. But the thing is, he started with a multiplication process from a small group. It's essentially impossible for you and I to reach the multitudes of the world. Man, and God charged us through Jesus Christ. He said, go and make disciples to all nations, baptizing, teaching, and preaching, right? You think about it. How many people in this group have stepped outside of Grady County? How many people within this group have stepped outside of the state of Georgia? How many people within this group have stepped outside of North America? We can't touch the world a lot of times on our own. We have a a pretty good idea of how to do it. We do a pretty good job of supporting the cooperative program. We support the Georgia Baptist Convention, the North American Mission Board, the International Mission Board. We support our local missionaries who come in that are independent. We help them. We have done that over the last year. We've invested in the Ukraine through the Ark Singers. We've invested in Haiti through Billy Orm's ministry. And we've tried to touch the world through some things and through some cooperative program issues. But our primary calling that God has given us is to take the gospel that he has placed in our lives and invest it in those people around us and pass it on to the next generation. Amen. That's our basic issue that we want to know. So let me ask you something. That's the job of every believer. Evangelism, disciple making. That's the job we've been given. Whether it's in Grady County or beyond, that's what God has charged us to do. That's what he's given us to do. Let's look at the Apostle Paul's writings this morning. If you are able, will you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? We'll be in Second Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Paul's writing says this, You, therefore, my son, be strong in grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, sharing the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get the share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and descended from David according to my gospel, for which I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal." But the word of God is not bound. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. And you may be seated. Paul wrote a big portion of the New Testament. And Paul is writing to Timothy as he's done many, many times before. As he's talked with him, he's wrote with him, and he, he specifically wants to share some encouragement with Timothy. Man, we all need some encouragement, don't we? Timothy needed encouragement. In his ministry, he needed encouragement. Paul needed encouragement, but Paul was a really good encourager. Paul loved to share it because C- Paul was focused on Jesus Christ throughout his ministry. He never deviated from who he was focused on. That's what we need to be paying attention to this morning. Who are we focused on when we're dealing with these struggles that we talk about and the struggles in your life? Who are we focusing on? Are we focusing on self and how we handle the issues that we're dealing with? Or are we focusing on God the Father? When we look at Paul, man, when we look at where Paul was at, and we're going to talk about Paul and some of the things about Paul. But Paul never took his eyes off Jesus. Let me tell you something: if you have to endure the things that Paul had to endure, if you had to go to the point of death, the only way to survive, the only way to be have a, a, a hopeful attitude, is to have your eyes focused. On Jesus Christ. Paul encouraged Timothy and he wanted to challenge Timothy to continue the journey that he had started. I mean, he started as a minister. He was young in the faith. Paul had taken him under his wings. Paul had invested in Timothy. He continued to invest in Timothy. That's what I, I shared with you. You need to be investing in somebody in your in your surroundings, okay? That's what I'm asking you to do. That's what I'm charging you to do. Look at Paul. He invested in Timothy. He invested in Titus. He invested multiple people. Paul Paul was investing in Timothy, and he challenged him to continue the journey that he had started. Man, be strong in the grace. Be strong in the faith. He challenged Timothy to trust in the Lord and to share the gospel. Man, that's the thing. He, not, just to, not just to be a, a witness, but share the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. Show the unconditional love that God has for his people. Share it the way that you've seen me do it many, many times. Man, that's the thing about it. it's, it's Jesus the same thing. He he took he went and ministered to people. He took the uh, uh, disciples with him. He showed them how to minister to people. Then he said, I want you to minister and I'm going to be right here for you. I'm going to support you. And then he said, I want you to go out And minister on your own. That's the same thing we see here. Paul had done the same thing with Timothy. And now it's time for Timothy to go out on his own. What Paul is saying to Timothy is the fact that it is imperative that you do not keep the good news of Jesus Christ for yourself. Man, you are a born again believer. You've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. But you can't keep it for yourself. You're going you're gonna to be going to heaven when you leave this planet. But let me tell you something. You want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to hear the exact same thing that you have heard. Don't keep it for yourself. Timothy, you need to tell everybody that will listen to you about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. People, church, friends, you need to tell everybody that will listen to you about Jesus Christ. Amen. Man, let me tell you something. When this, when this life is over, it's over. And the thing is, is you need to tell people about Jesus Christ. Well, Jerry, you're asking me to step outside of my comfort zone. I'm just not comfortable doing that. I'm just not comfortable. I don't know how to share the gospel. Let me tell you something. Last Sunday night in 60 seconds, I showed you how to share the gospel, right? Did any of y'all write that down this week? Huh? Look, added the app. I know several people said, I I got that app on my phone now. If we didn't have cell phones, what would we do? I've got the app on my cell phone, if you want to know the truth. Let me tell you, it's important. Share the gospel with somebody. Carrie, I don't know how to share the gospel. Let me tell you something. What did God do to you? How did God change your life? What has he done in your life? Just tell people your testimony. It'll come easy after that. Let me tell you something. That's what he said. Timothy, you need to share it with everybody who will listen to it. We need to share it with everybody who will listen to us. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-9, through 9, Paul gives us at least three sound principles of passing on the faith in Jesus Christ. You can put those up, Jason, for me. Three principles that he said. He broke it down, and we've talked about each of these principles throughout our, our studies together. The first one, he showed about being strong in the grace. He talked about strength. It's all about the strength of God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. He talked about being strong in the grace. Man, when you're struggling... When you need some help, when you need some strength, you're going to get it through the Holy Spirit. Be strong in the grace. He talked about investment, investing in the lives of other people, investing in young people, old people. It doesn't matter, but he's talking about investment in people, staying focused. And that's what I said initially. And staying focused on the prize, staying focused on the treasure. Jesus Christ is the ultimate treasure that God has given us. I mean, you people, people do all kinds of things looking for a treasure, don't they? Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is the ultimate treasure. These are the three things we're going to look at this morning. In spite of all the challenges that Timothy had faced in ministry, Paul encouraged him to move forward, not to sit idle. And we've said that more than once. To to move forward, to press on toward the goal. Press on for the prize. Move forward to what you need to do. He needed to take what he learned from Paul and pass it on to other believers so that they could in turn pass it on to other people. Last week in the Sunday morning message I talked about endurance and finishing the race. Not just winning the race, but finishing the race. Finishing the race. We want to finish strong. We talked about the endurance that it takes to get to the end of the, of the finish line. We talked about some different things and some different analogies <clears throat> about finishing the race. I talked to you about the, the triathlon and the, and the the difficulties that go along with that issue, but the fact of just finishing the race. I made mention of several different types of racing, including foot racing. Y'all know what foot racing is? <clears throat> when we were younger, we enjoyed foot racing, right? <clears throat> As we get older, it's like, the only, only running I'm going to be doing is, is when the bear's chasing me. Is that the phrase? Foot racing is something I talked about. One of the Olympic events that I enjoy watching is the relay race. It's the relay race. And, and I watch. And, and I'm going to tell you something, and I know that, that we got some Florida, Georgia, Florida State fans, and football is not, it's not always in front of my eyes, but if you've ever seen Georgia, there's a, there's a young man named Matt Bowling. You all know who that is? Anybody? I'm the only one that knows who Matt Bowling is. All right, I want you all to Google Matt Bowling or YouTube. He is phenomenally fast. He, he's, he, he's at Georgia now. But I watched this young man in a relay race in high school. He is, it's just amazing how fast he is in a relay race. But the thing is, what I want to talk to you about is when you think about the relay race, being fast is an important part. It's being fast is an important part, but in a relay race, being fast is not the most important part, is it? We're talking about a relay race. We're talking about four different people racing together. Fast is not the most important part. One of the most critical areas of the relay race is passing of the baton. You all know what I'm talking about? How important is passing of the baton in a relay race? It doesn't matter how fast you are. If you can't pass that baton to the next person, if they drop it, if they don't get it, if something happens, it causes a critical change in the outcome of the race. When you think about it, the, the, the passing of the baton is the most important part from the first runner to the next and so on to all the runners have completed the race. It's critical that the baton is exchanged successively from the second, third, And fourth runner. All of this is so important. Can you? uh, They got to continue what the first runner started. No matter how good he was, no matter how fast he was. If they don't complete the the challenge of passing baton, none of all that matters. The continuation of the spread of the gospel is based on the successful exchange of the good news of Jesus Christ from one generation to the next. The gospel has to come has come to us because it was on its way to somebody else. Let me tell you something that 's important what did, what did Kerry say? The gospel has come to us because it was on its way to somebody else, which means God sent us the gospel so that we would get it, so that we would understand it, but not keep it for ourselves, to pass it on to someone else. It was on its way to someone else. We're part of the chain. Now, here's the thing, people. We're either going to fumble the handoff or we're going to make the change or we're going to make the baton pass to the next person. That is so significant. You must be consistently investing in the lives of other people, whether that's mentoring, whether that's discipling, whether that's teaching, sharing, one-on-one, small groups, uh, a couple together sharing with another couple, but investing in other people. And I've told you this more than once. Older men investing in who? Younger men. Older women, and I didn't say old, I said older women investing in younger women. That's what God has charged us to do. That's what we're supposed to do. Disciple making is not a one-time event. It's not just something we do one time. It's a continual process. It's a continuation process. It's not a box that we check off. It's a continual process of the church. It's what God has told us to do. And we do it every Sunday. It's not just to come into the sanctuary. And Lord, I want you to come into the sanctuary. I want you to listen to God's word. I want you to invest in God's word. I want you to absorb God's word. But I want you to take it and apply it. Because application is ultimately what we have to do with God's word. Paul used three analogies to model the qualities of disciple making. These are three. We're going to break them down. And I already prepped up a few people. Because I want to need some feedback on these things. Okay? Y'all didn't get that, did you? <laughs> athlete, you're going to comment on athlete, right? No? Okay. Let's use three things. The soldier, the athlete, and the hardworking farmer. And these are things that Paul related to. These are things that Paul talked about. These are things that Paul dealt with. These three areas, and these are m- multiple times he talks about that, but let's consider the soldier for a moment. Paul knew a great deal about soldiers because he spent a great deal of time, What? chained to him he spent a great deal of time attached to him he spent a great deal of time around soldiers because he was a prisoner for many years but paul changed prisoners paul touched prisoners but paul knew what it was like to be a soldier he knew what they had to do he knew who they had to answer to he he, he spent a lot of time with him he was chained with them paul presents the christian life as a warfare against satan in a hostile world let me tell you something we're at war Against Satan. That might be something you don't think about a lot. But we're at war against Satan. Amen. Amen. We're at war against Satan. If you don't think that we're at war against Satan, take a look around. Man, look at the things that this country is approving and celebrating that are strictly in opposition of what God's word says. I might get censored out on that. You reckon? (laughs) Look at the things around us. they're celebrating. Strictly opposite of God. Military service means to some degree giving up your own rights. How many people in here have been in the military? Think about this. Military service to a certain degree means giving up your own rights. Answering to Uncle Sam. It places restrictions on personal liberty. If you have uh, been in the military, you know what I'm talking about. You eat when they tell you to eat. You sleep when they tell you to sleep. You get up when they tell you to get up. And you go where they tell you to go. You're at the mercy of Uncle Sam. Amen? You give up a certain amount of personal liberties when you're a soldier, when you're a military uh, soldier. When Paul is saying in order to be victorious in battle, the soldier's focus cannot be on civilian matters. That's what it said in the scripture. It's talking about distractions. It can't be on distractions. If you want to be victorious in the service of the war, you have to be focused on what your your mission is because a soldier seeks to please his commanding officer. Man, those that are above you in rank, those that are the ones you're answering to, those are the ones you that are teaching you. Same thing. Let's look at here. The same goes for the disciple of others. God is our commanding officer, and we should seek to please him through our actions, through our words, and everything that we do. We need to be totally committed to the commanding officer. Amen. Amen. That's, who, that's who's in charge. Let me now here's some some delicate. I'm gonna hit some delicate things. And I I had to run a few things by Patty. I said, You think they're gonna kick me out? She said, You can't tickle no ears. I said, but let me just tell you so hang in there with me because you might say, Preacher, this is a, you stepped out just a little bit this morning. Selfish people do not make good disciples. They don't make good disciple makers. Selfish people don't. People who are focused on others are the best disciples. You must commit to the goal and stay focused on the task. The second analogy that Paul uses, the example of the athlete, this is where I'm going to get a lot of feedback from. Ain't you know, that right, William? Got some athletes in here. Successful athletes are people who have a great deal of discipline and a great deal of commitment. Amen? That's what athletes look like. They are focused on the tasks that have been placed before them. They want to be successful in their sporting events. They have a desire to achieve a level of perfection. They commit to the goal and stay focused on it with a disciplined purpose. Man, we got a bunch of athletes in this, in this congregation right here, don't we? What if I got all the athletes to stand up? Ain't going to happen. All right, I'm going to break you down then. Here we go. we got a bunch of athletes in the church. We have a bunch of wannabe athletes in the church. Amen? Huh? Y'all think I made this up, didn't you? I'll even go one step further, all right? We got a bunch of has-been athletes in this church. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Time at age seems to slow down the athlete in all of us. Huh? Dan, you don't know anything about that. It comes. Let me tell you, your brain still wants to compete, but your body says, I ain't happening, all right? But there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's obvious that time seems to slow down the athlete in each of us, but true athletes are not lazy people. They're not lazy people, true athletes. You think about this. This is where my athlete's going to jump up and say, you know it, buddy. They're not lazy people. They are disciplined and motivated to be successful and to reach the prize. Paul described the farmer. He went on further. He talked about athletes and the dedication and the commitment they had. But he went on and talked about farmers. Here's something else that, that I could relate to. He says, farmers are hardworking. Is that not true? I mean, they're hard workers. They're, farming is a hard job. It's a hard life to be a farmer. Now, it was harder before they had cab tractors, okay? <laughs> huh? You had to deal with the elements. You had to deal with the heat, the sun, the rain. You know, we're planting, it's too wet to plant. Uh, I got it planted, and it's not going to rain. It's not going to grow. All kinds of issues. Farming is hard work. If the farmer leaves the field to care for itself, what does the field produce? Weeds or nothing. Nothing. It, does, it takes a lot of effort. The farmer has to diligently work in it. Farmers must work long hours in all types of weather conditions. Farming is hard work, and it has many disappointments with it. But the majority of farmers that I know tell you that the rewards are worth it. Amen? Man, you think about it, the prep—the preparation, the planning that they go through, you know, all to get the crop ready to grow. And then when it grows, the rewards of the crop. Seeing a seed grow into a plant to produce a fruit, something that's beneficial for people to eat for survival. They all say it's worth it. Farming has a great deal of joy out of seeing these plants grow into bear fruit. Christians get a great deal of joy out of seeing planted seeds bearing fruit in the lives of other people. Man, there's nothing more exciting Than than planting a seed in a young person and watching that seed grow and mature into a young Christian that just gets excited. Amen? Man, you you see somebody gets on fire for God and they get excited about it and they want to move more about it, they can't get enough of it. That is so exciting. That's just as exciting as the farmer. Farmers are planning and preparing for the harvest. Paul says, Timothy, I want you to be hardworking. He wants him planning and preparing for the harvest. Because there's going to be a harvest. And we want to make sure that we're part of that harvest. This is the same commitment that a disciple maker has to make. Disciple making is hard work. I'm not teaching you or telling you to do something that's easy. Because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Isn't that the phrase? It's hard work. Discipling is hard work. Sharing the gospel is hard work. Bringing people to Jesus is hard work. But having a compassion for them, the desire, that's what you've got to have. It's hard work. First, listen to this. I've got to be a disciple. That's the first thing. Then I've got to do all the studying that the preacher wants me to do and reading of the Bible. The preacher wants me to come to church, and he wants me to do, be in a small group study. And then he wants me to step out of my comfort zone and tell people about Jesus. Well, that pretty much sums it up, don't it? That's what the preacher wants because he wants you to tell other people about Jesus because God has charged him to to instruct you to do that. He wants you to do all those things. Church, can I be honest with you? Here's where I got on my toes. Lazy people don't make good disciple makers, they don't make good disciple makers. Lazy people don't make good athletes. Lazy people don't make good farmers. Lazy people don't make good soldiers, and they don't make good disciple-makers. Committed, disciplined people make good disciple-makers. Committed to the function, committed to the task, committed and, and, and willing to endure the obstacles, that's the ones that make good disciple-makers. The point's not that if you're not discipling someone, you're considered lazy. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point is that if you are going to be discipling someone, you have to be disciplined. I mean, it takes effort. It ain't easy. It takes effort. It takes commitment. It takes a focus on God to confin- to finish the task that he has given each of us. God may have... Giving you the gift to be an athlete, and we have a lot of athletes. And there's nothing more exciting than watching a gifted athlete function. Isn't that right, Daniel? Man, it's it's exciting to see seeing a, a potential in an athlete. I know, Reed, you're an athlete, aren't you? See a potential in an athlete and come out. Man, it's so that's so exciting. Let me tell you something. That's not the task that God has given us. He's given us some gifts giving us time to use those gifts, and and they're beneficial. And and let me tell you something. You can use that gift to find your way in the door of somebody that needs to hear about Jesus Christ. I always thought God gave me the gift of medicine. Not that I was brilliant at it, but that it gave me the opportunity to, to find people who wanted to hear about Jesus. It gave me the opportunity to share the gospel with people. You know, whether it was patients, whether it was students, whether it was other colleagues, they, the people would come. Once they find out you knew about Jesus, a lot of people wanted to hear about it. And it just gave me the opportunity to, to share it, use your gift, and be able to share the gospel with Jesus Christ, about Jesus Christ. We are to run the race like an athlete and keep our eyes focused on the goal and the prize. We're to run the race following the guidelines that are established in the Bible. That's what Paul was saying. It's not, not just important that we run the race, but we've got to run it by the rules. We've got to run it by the guidelines that are set by the Bible. You don't, an athlete don't compete without following the rules. Sometimes they deviate from them, but we don't deviate from the Word of God because the world wants us to make a little bit of adjustment and things to make people comfortable so we don't offend anybody. Amen? We don't deviate from the Word of God. We are to run the race, following the guidelines that God set before us, and to not yield to worldly pleasures. The task that God has given Christians is to be disciple-makers who pass the truth from one generation to the next. Church, stay focused on the task that God has given you to do. Stay, stay focused on the task, investing in people, Sharing the gospel, evangelizing, and disciple-making. Keeping your eyes on the purpose of pleasing Jesus Christ alone. Nobody else matters. Nothing else matters but pleasing God the Father. Press on toward the goal in order to receive the prize. Knowing the truth has limited benefits without application. I share that with you a lot. Man, we can know all the truths are in the Bible, but if we don't apply them, it doesn't have any benefits with it. Look how Paul's words play out in his own life. Paul kept his eyes on Jesus throughout his ministry, and because of his focus on Christ, Apostle Paul played a significant part in the role of changing the lives of many, many people. Paul changed the lives of men and women, Jews and Gentiles, freed people, slaves, uh, soldiers. He influenced a lot of people throughout his life. There's, there's no question that, that's just a number. It's phenomenal about how many people came to know Jesus Christ because of Apostle Paul. And Paul was one of the most, uh, best advocates for Christ in the New Testament. And he stood for Christ. And only when we get to heaven will we know how many people are there because of him. Let me ask you a couple questions and then we'll be through. Have you given serious thought to how God would want you to build into the lives of other people? Have you thought about how God would want you to invest in other people? That's a question I want you to think about. Who are they? Will you meet with him individually or in a small group or perhaps in a, as a couple with your spouse? I want you to ask the Lord to guide you in your efforts and your ministry. Those individuals whom you disciple one day may become a source of great, great blessings for you and for other people as they grow in a relationship with God. Let me tell you something. I tell you every week, and God loves you unconditionally. He loves each of us. He must love us unconditionally because he sent his son to die for us. Man, that's that's a love that you, you can't imagine. How that would be any better? He gives us the gift of Jesus Christ. Man, that that love and that gift is not something we earn. We don't deserve it. You know what we deserve is hell. We deserve it because we're sinners. But we're saved by grace. John three sixteen says this: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that's the that's the greatest passage in the Bible. That shows how much God loved us, that he loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own son for us. Ephesians 2.8 says this, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. And man is a sinner and can't save himself. And right, right now you're sitting right along with I know where he's going with this. And we can't save ourselves. Man is a sinner and can't save ourselves. Sin creates a separation and a barrier between us and God. We can't get to God because of sin and he can't get to us. There had to be something that was a substitute. There had to be something to take that out of the way so that we could have a right relationship with God the Father, something we could get in touch with him through, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's what he did for us. He sent Jesus Christ to take that place. Romans 3.23 says this, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin creates the separation between man and God, and Christ came and he died on the cross for you and me. He took my sins and your sins on his shoulder. He he bled on the cross and he died on the cross so that we would have salvation and eternal life. Romans 10, 13 says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever is a good word. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't separate anybody out. It says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever is anybody, doesn't matter what you've done or what you haven't done. It says in the Bible, if you call on the name of the Lord, God will forgive you, and he'll save you, and he'll write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Friends, let me tell you something. When our time on this earth is over, and it could be 10 years, 20 years, 100 years, but when our t- time on this earth is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. We're either going to spend eternity in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all those that have gone on before us that know the Lord. Or we're going to spend eternity separated from him in hell. And that's the worst torment that could be. Separation from the creator of this universe. The decisions we make on this earth determine where we spend eternity. And this morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I urge you to clear that up this morning. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. If you invite him into your heart, You make him the Lord of your life. You admit your sinful ways, and you repent and change. It says he comes into your heart, and he'll change you, and he'll change you radically. You'll, You'll never be the same when Jesus Christ comes in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. But as simple as that, you invite him into your heart, and he'll be your Lord and master from here on out. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. If you do not know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, I urge you to come down and talk to me about that. Our deacons will be down front. They'll pray with you if you need prayer. The altar is always open for you. Whatever the issue that you may be dealing with, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It could be something you just want to lay at the feet of Jesus. bring it to the altar and lay it at the feet of Jesus. That is certainly what we want you to do, and certainly you can do that whatever decision you have to make during this time of imitation, This is just a a vertical time when you speak with God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no looking around. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. It's what you're doing with the Father at this very moment. Father God, I come before you with a humble heart. I thank you for your word and the promises that are in your word. And God, I thank you for the the fact of sharing your word. God, just pray for our time together today. God, I pray that there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that this day would be the day that he would come to know you. Father, for others in our congregation, God, for, for the struggles that we're dealing with, God, I just lift them up to you. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just anoint this building. And God, we would feel the power of the Holy Spirit like never before. God, that he would be moving among us, and God, he'd be touching lives where lives need to be touched. Father, we lift it up to you. We place it in your hands, and we thank you for who you are. These things I ask in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen.